It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. I am Steve Cofield. Come on and do it with me. The tight shorts typhoon. I'm like a, a leaf blower. I'm like a wood chipper. I'm like a, a blender on puree. I need you. I am Steve Cofield. 351 pounds, allegedly. Even if he does look like Eric Gregg ate James Tony. Now I'm very angry. With Steve Cofield and Adam Hill. It's All right, here we go. Friday, 5 o'clock hour. Final hour of the week until we do the late night podcast tonight at 1030. DC in the sunshine, man, at 1030. Big, big hour. We're going to get into the Ravens matchup on Monday Night Football. Boy, oh boy, led by uh, Jimmy Seafood. And uh, they're obnoxious tweeting. A lot of trash talk, Adam. A lot of trash talk about the Ravens on Monday night coming to town against the Raiders. So we'll get into that with Kadri Ismail in about uh, 30 minutes. Big five time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. No Conflict Friday, No Conflict Friday. That's an honor of our current program director, Lotus Radio legend, jack of all trades, master of all of them, uh, Doug. No Conflict Friday, but there might be a little conflict here. I thought this was an interesting note, and I'm not trying to get Ari down in the dumps. How about this one, Adam? Millennials hold 4.8% of all wealth. There are now 40-year-old millennials. At the same age, Gen X, my group, had 9% of the wealth. Oh, no. Boomers! Boomer, (laughs) at the same age, had 21% of the wealth. What a world it was for the boomers who many of them now are like, back in my day, it was a struggle. Was it? Was it? What a drop-off. And then the worst part here is uh, the millennials, the largest generation in history, did what the system told them to do and became the most dedicated in history. Now they're the poorest in history. How's that working out for you, Ari? That part right there is, <laughs> is everything. You just said it. We did everything we were supposed to. I went to college. Look at By the way, where, where is where is double degree Jared? Oh, that's what you meant by uh, he. I'm not even going to answer that. Trust me, it's not where he should be. Adam, you're a Gen Xer. You and I are always in between the uh, boomers and the millennials. What do you think of these numbers? Well, I mean, I I feel like isn't this just because people live longer? And the older people that have the money are not dying and passing it down. Like I feel like that's a, a big part of it uh, that you know you're that you're seeing this. Uh, and there's I, I don't I don't know. Like I, I feel like this this does suck. Like just to look at this raw number and say, wow, what a disappointing uh, outcome for for millennials to uh, not have reached any of this money. Uh, but it's also I mean there's also you know other things that are built into it of you know, wages not keeping up with um, inflation and those those types of things that are definitely impacting uh, this generation. Uh, I don't want to blame it on them. I don't think it's their fault uh, necessarily, but I, I do think it's it's just more of a 
you know, wealth doesn't spread out, I don't think, as quickly as we think it does or that a lot of people believe it might. And if people are living longer and holding on to it more, uh, they're going to have that, you know, that money for a long, long time. And it's not going to spread to anybody. Uh, so poor millennials are just sitting there trying to figure it out. And there's more of them, as we said, the biggest generation, the largest by number, uh, that, you know, doesn't, and, then, and there's less of it to go around for them. It sucks. So, yes, for Ari, and actually, Ari is an old man. Uh, Jared, I think, is more millennial. I'm, I'm in there somewhere. Uh, one thing I was just thinking about, though, is like, I don't know if this is a factor or not, but cash and under the table and things like that is a lot different now like you're tracked everything everything is like you know done automated so i wonder if that plays any part very small but it plays any part in these numbers meaning like people just stack all kind of money back in the day and i don't think that's the case as much anymore right but if it's not tracked then it wouldn't be a part of the number like like that means that they had more of the more of the share back then uh, if they were using cash and not not doing this now I, I would think what all the millennials could just be like well our our money is an actual wealth it's in crypto i guess you could make that <laughs> that claim which you know that could be zero tomorrow so i, I don't know if that would be uh, actually considered wealth or, or what it is it's it's a mess it's clearly a mess for the for these millennials number four no more mask that's it. I'm not going to do the rest of the chant. You know what it is. No more masks. CDC says yesterday it's all over. Everyone can be indoors. No mask. Governor Sislak says we're going to follow the CDC. Here we go, baby. What a weekend is on the way. Adam Hill and boy, sports is going to have to make some adjustments and they're going to have to make some adjustments on the fly. Yeah, but I think it's going to take a while. Um, you said on the fly. I mean, they, they could try. Uh, but it's it, it's going to be it's going to be chaotic, and I think a lot of it is I know a lot of it is enforcement. Like we keep saying the no more masks, you're leaving off the second part, the most important part. No more masks for those that are fully vaccinated. If you're not, nothing changed yesterday. Nothing changed. It's the same as it was yesterday morning, and going back a year. But people are leaving off that part and saying, like, whoa, masks are done. Like, masks are done for, you know, like 38% or whatever the number is right now uh, that has been completely vaccinated. And a much higher number has had their second shot, but it hasn't been the two weeks yet. And then it's, you know, up in the 60s now, I believe, that have uh, had at least their first shot. So uh, at least 61%, I think, of of total adults right now. Um, So, yeah. It, I, I think it's a it's a it's a great step. It's a step that has been long overdue. Uh, this should have been the guidance from the beginning. Of you know, once you're fully vaccinated, you're back to normal. But they were worried about enforcement, and at this point, it, it's still an issue. Like the Golden Knights could say Sunday, 100 percent capacity, as long as you prove you're fully vaccinated. Oh boy, that, who's, Arm- gonna, who's Armageddon at the gates? Yeah. And that, that's what you do. You're, you're putting the, the the onus on security and uh, people that that work there and everything else. I I think that becomes difficult. Now, I I showed you, as you know, mine's laminated. Like, I'm, I'll am i flash it and hold it up and, and walk in wherever. I'll, I'll proudly show it off. Um, I will wear, like, instead of masks, you want me to, like, tattoo something on my forehead right now? Fine. Like, let's go. Like, I, this is so long overdue. And 
I, I'm so annoyed by people that are like, you know, you just, you don't want anything to happen. You're just trying to control people. Like, no, I'm a thousand percent ready yeah, to say a hundred percent. They came up with capacity. They came up with the path to uh, open things up. I will say. Uh, you are a glutton for punishment on social media. Uh, what is with uh, morning show regular Cassie Soto, also a staffer at the paper, who tweeted out, the people who don't want to wear a mask are the ones who aren't getting vaccinated. I don't trust you all to follow the rules, so leave me alone when you see me, a fully vaccinated person, still wearing my mask in public. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I hope that's not, I hope that's not my fault. Gasoline on the social media fire. What is she yeah. doing? I hope that's not my fault. I think we had that conversation off the air yesterday where I was like, this is not this is not no mask for anyone. It's not a masks are done forever. It's masks are done for vaccinated people. And people are going to lie and lie and lie about being vaccinated so they can not wear a mask. Because it is the same, uh, largely the same group. The anti-vax group is largely the anti-mask group, which is preposterous thinking to me. I don't even know how that lines up. Where you're like, I don't like these masks, but I'm not going to do what it takes to get the mask off. Like, okay, I, I guess. Um, I mean, I guess the 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 common ground would be a lack of trust. Um, I, I suppose uh, that would be how those line up. But like, it's a very easy path to ha- not have masks anymore. Get vaccinated. Number three. What it must be like to be an Adam Hill. In a town like this, Adam can call anyone anytime he wants. Tickets, free dinners, drinks, whatever he wants. He hooks people up. Uh, anytime I need something, I'm like, hey, Adam, can you, you know, I, I need to lean on you for your connection. You're the same as Robin Leonard. What it must be like to be a star pro athlete. Robin Leonard tweets out less than 24 hours ago at Caesars Palace. I kind of feel like eating some Gordon Ramsay food. Can you hook a panda or hook up a panda uh, and some guys up for a reservation? Hashtag, uh, hashtag. Hashtag playoff energy. Uh, he gets a response within an hour. Uh, we didn't mean to shut you out, Robin. <laughs> That's great. Hockey. Shut up. Um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, he the uh, the tweet return says you think an HK or pub and grill. Wow. Okay. Must be nice. You missed you missed the best part there, Steve. Fire away. Don't think we have bamboo options on the menu right now. <laughs> That's what pandas eat. <laughs> That's funny. Because a person would never have that. Pandas eat bamboo. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, you know. But by the way, you know you love this. First of all, because. Uh, uh, you might be a little bit pro Robin Leonard, not saying you're a stan, uh, but also the the whole angle of an athlete reaching out and getting the response and getting uh, hooked up down the road for dinner is, uh, as a writer, that's one of your dreams. Oh, it's great. It's so it's, it's, it's very good. Uh, I wish Chris Long would have like changed his handle to Caesar's Palace and responded some other way. It probably would have right. been funnier. Right. Like, but okay, let's. Good job, I guess. You you, you customize the tweet. Good work by Caesar's Palace. They also said we make a killer beef Wellington. I don't even know if that's a joke. Uh, killer. I don't. I don't know where that would be. Exactly. I think it's actually true. I. Some uh, one of our uh, our uh, podcast uh, hosts was saying that uh, Allie was saying she went down there and she said it was unbelievable. So, what's a what's it, what is a beef Wellington? <laughs> Number two. 
We're running short on time. We'll get up to that Hello. after uh, 5.22 or so. All right, Kings. What was that? What was that? The NHL should be a little embarrassed about the way its season closed, except for the fact that that's actually not the end of the season. They've got regular season game next week. Uh, but the Kings, 11-1 to in two games against the Avs. Now the Avs win the division. They've got control. And VGK is matched up against a, a team they just have not been able to solve very often, Adam. Uh, this week was not great to close out the season for the Knights on a lot of fronts. No. Uh, I mean, they clearly wanted to clinch the division. They wanted to hang that banner. They wanted to hang the President's Trophy banner as uh, the number one team in the entire league. And uh, they did finish with the most wins, but they don't get that President's Trophy. They don't get to finish with the number one seed. They'll have to play on the road against Colorado to open the series and potentially into Game 7. And you know, while they have advantage against everybody else, that could be a very vital series uh, in the second round. Uh, they also end up getting Minnesota, which you, you mentioned they've kind of been the kryptonite to to the Golden Knights. Um, they're a little bit different this year than they've been in the past, but they've still been a thorn in their side. In the past, they've just been a very boring team, uh, really just clog things up and not let the Golden Knights use their speed um, and just kind of lull you to sleep with the uh, you know stretches of 10, 15 minutes with nothing happening and then trying to figure out a uh, way to score a goal and just frustrate you even further. Uh, it's not really that the team this year. They're a little bit more... Uh, dynamic than that, though they still have a lot of the same tendencies. Uh, they have better goaltending now, um, and they have a little bit of star power on the team, a little bit of playmaking. So it's a, it's a different kind of team than the Golden Knights have struggled with in, in the past, but still a team they struggled with. And they really, the Golden Knights have really struggled to win in Minnesota. Uh, the games up there on the road have been brutal for them. They've lost in a variety of different ways, but they've lost many, many times. And it's just been uh, kind of a constant theme that Minnesota is a problem for them. And now, of course, they draw them in the playoffs. The other option, if they would have finished first, they would have got St. Louis. Maybe not the same issues that they've had with them. And St. Louis finished behind Minnesota in the standings. But St. Louis has been really, really good the last you know 12 to 15 games. So maybe the Golden Knights got a little bit of break in, of avoiding St. Louis and not having to play them. Uh but they instead get Minnesota, and, and I don't think anybody's excited about that matchup. I don't think anybody's thrilled that that's the playoff matchup, that that's what you see uh, in the in the bracket. Uh, but as they point out, you've got to you know you've got you've got to go through a tough path. You're going to have to beat good teams if you want to get to the goal that they want to reach, which is winning the Stanley Cup. Number one, Sunday game, noon early Tuesday game, both home games against the Wild. So we know that. We know a lot of the schedule. A few weeks from now, what do we know, Adam? Because uh, now we're seeing, hey, the NHL wants an answer from Canada by June 1st in regards to the border. We had Darren Millard on earlier. Darren's Canadian. He's following it. Darren didn't seem super optimistic that there's going to be a real answer by June 1st. Well, I think he he seemed to indicate or, or, that his... Or a good answer. Well, his, that his belief would be the answer would be no. You can't do it. Um, you'll, get, now, you'll get an answer. It ain't, ain't going to be a good one. Yeah. Now, part of this is regional, too. Uh, it may depend which Canadian team advances out of the bracket and, you know, which province they're in. And you know, Ontario seems like it's a, it's almost impossible. But perhaps one of the, you know, one of the other provinces would be a little bit more amenable to letting that happen uh, in, the, in the Canadian team playing. Uh, outside of Canada and going back and forth across the border, you'd have, I, I have to imagine part of it 
Because, yes, the teams would have to travel back and forth across the border. But as we've already pointed out, like the team is more than just the team. It's a, you know, a group of people that are also in that tier one. Uh, then you'd have support staff broadcasters that are probably have to travel back and forth across the border. Some media would, I'm sure, apply for it and try to try to be able to travel back and forth. Uh, so there's a whole lot of logistics at play of what it could be. Uh, but it seems like the direction they're heading in is that the Canadian team will have to pick, have to pick a market in uh, the states to play in. Uh, Darren suggested they could be, you know, if it's if it's Vegas, you could pick Glendale, just another NHL market. Uh, take over that venue, run your game ops, like your all your videos and your music and all that stuff. Make it like a home game, but just not at home, not have fans. He suggested you could do that in the arena that you're playing in. So if it was, if they're playing the Golden Knights, then games three and four would be considered home games for the other team. Say it's Edmonton, and they'd run all the Edmonton game ops out of T-Mobile and not have fans. Uh, there's a lot of possibilities, but the, basically the NHL said, hey, we need an answer by June 1st because we need to figure out what we're doing. Uh, down the road. So June 1st is going to drop dead. Will we be able to travel back and forth across the border for a playoff series? Giveaway time. Giveaway time. We'll make it easy. That's why ESPN Las Vegas is great. That's why Ari's great. He gets all these prizes. Wonderful job. Wonderful job. Caller 11, 364-1100-364-1100. If you are caller 11, you win a VGK hat, a two-foot sub from Porta Subs, and let me get this right. Let me get this right. You qualify to win a pair of tickets. You qualify to win a pair of tickets. You qualify to win a pair of tickets. I misstated earlier. You don't automatically get the tickets. You qualify to win a pair of tickets, but you want to get in on this, to game two Tuesday night as the Knights play the Wild. 364-1100, Caller 11. Thanks to Porta Subs. Thanks to the Golden Knights. Wow, you have a chance to win tickets. You have a chance to qualify for the tickets. You get the hat and the two-foot sub. 364-1100. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. This traffic report is brought to you by Roadrunner Saloon, a Bud Light Puck Party hangout. Accident being reported. Summerlin Parkway, that's eastbound before Buffalo Drive, showing the left lane's blocked there. Also a hit and run being reported, Maryland Parkway and East Flamingo Road. Overnight lows tonight in the 70s. This traffic report was brought to you by BudLightPuckParties.com and Mr. D's Sports Bar. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. All right, let's be polite. Let's be polite. It probably sounded rude. You know, Adam Hill, a couple minutes ago, asked me a question, and I'm like, nope, move on. We're on a tight clock sometimes on Cofield and Company. But you did ask about Beef Wellington because apparently uh, Robin Leonard worked his magic on Twitter and is going to maybe can get some uh, free Beef Wellington from uh, Gordon Ramsay restaurants. And Adam was like, what's Beef Wellington? You've never had it. I've heard of it. I don't think I've ever had it. It is a steak dish of English origin, as Wiki says, uh, made out of Filet coated with pate, uh, wrapped in puff pastry, then baked. Some recipes include wrapping the coated meat in a crepe or crepe. You could have some ham there around it, and that will help retain the moisture and prevent it from uh, making the pastry soggy. So are you into – it's not a pig in a blanket. 
like high end meat in the blanket, a ham blanket. Well, it sounds it also. I mean, it does kind of sound like that, but it also sounds like a almost a pot pie. No, not at all. No, I think you need to look it up. Well, if you have yeah. a pastry, like a puff pastry around a, a slab of meat, it's it would be you could cook a long piece of fillet. All of it is wrapped in the pastry. Then you chop slices. Hmm. So it's not it's not a it's not in a like in a, a baking dish. It would be a log of fillet wrapped by pastry. Doesn't it sound appetizing? A log, think, a log think, of bready fillet. I think I'm out. It's fillet though. Just take off the freaking wrap. Well, then you got pate on there, and now we've got to somehow. It sounds like we have to coat it in ham just to make it edible. Like this, this sounds. I'm out. I, can't, I don't uh, think I could do this. I think your biggest issue is you are uh, you are not specify guy. You are not special order guy because you view everything as a pain in the ass to everyone else. So if you actually ask for a couple of adjustments, I, I think you'd be shamed. So you wouldn't do it. So I think True. I believe you. I believe that you're out. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely. I think I'm definitely out. I just I don't. Um. I think you could just order a fillet, right? Wouldn't that be the better way to go? Like, it sounds like the fillet is the best part of it. Why don't so you just look, order a steak? It looks delicious, and it's uh, come on, man, it's Ramsey. You know he's going to come through with something good. And your guy Leonard, you know, you're, if, I don't know. I guess we'll watch. We'll we'll see what uh, Panda if he gets it, what he thinks of it, and then I'm sure you'll eat, you know, five orders of it because you know you like Leonard. I don't like them. I don't like them demanding what he eats though either. It's a good point. Like, they did you're going to order the beef Wellington. Like, no, I'm going to order what I want to order. We've got issues here. I don't think that's what I don't think that's what happened, but that's what you've made it into. Coming back, let's get into the Ravens as we uh, go out to all of the cities. These teams are uh, coming in in front of fans for the first time to our stadium, and uh, we'll talk about that Monday night football game, which is going to be unbelievable. I mean, that's going to be a hard ticket to get, and Ravens fans are pretty cocky. Hell, the, the initial number – Hung by some sports books was Ravens on the road minus six and a half against the Raiders. That seems nuts. Visit lvsportsnetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. So, Adam, you noticed something with the. Uh interesting today with Ari's guest booking uh you know we went crazy during the week about DK Metcalf running that 10-3-6 so today Ari's just like you know what I'm just gonna get all guys who could run super fast and we're track guys who played football so earlier in the show we talked to Robert Smith from Ohio State the Vikings so Robert came in and he actually he said it was weird because he said Metcalf's time wasn't that good then I asked him about what he ran in the 100 and he's like oh 10-4-7 so I don't I don't know what was going on there but I, I did call it an amazing 100. Then we had Stanford route on. Stanford was high level guy at Houston. Uh, I think his career best actually was a 1037 right right near, but he was a 200 guy. Uh, now Kadri Ismail comes in, and Kadri was fast as hell, but he was a hurdle guy. So Kadri, it's like a track star football player day here on Cofield and Company. How you doing? Yo, bringing back the old memories of how it really is done. You got to run track to consider it being upper tier speed. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, what did you think about what 6'4", 229 DK Metcalf did in that 100? Well, I don't know if Robert um, was just having a little, like, jealousy or something, but, like, 10'3", 
is nothing to be sitting back and saying it's it's average. That's that that's extremely good. I don't even know his his sprint regimen to get himself in that shape, but I tell you what, like after his season, I know he's kind of you know having some banged up and bruised up you know body parts, and to to go out there and and represent himself the way he did was um, that was awesome. I, I loved every bit of it. Yeah, and, and to be fair to Robert Smith, who was on, I, I kind of set it up where I was like, it was an amazing time. And then uh, Robert Smith responded. He's like, actually, there's a lot of high school kids here recently. You know, the, the top five high school kids in Texas ran super fast time. So he was kind of reacting to my enthusiasm about <laughs> DK Metcalf. But it, it's still – it's that's an impressive athletic feat uh, by one DK Metcalf. So uh, give me the vibe around the Ravens and the schedule and the fact that the uh, beginning of the season involves a trip. Uh, to Las Vegas, and it'll be the first time that we have fans in our stadium here. I'm I'm excited that you know the fans are going to be back. I know during the games last year, it just felt so weird to. Well, it felt great <laughs> in that I got to the stadium in record time every single time. Um, I know we traveled to Washington, we traveled up to Philly, and to get in and out as fast as we did was remarkable. Uh, my, my Sundays were just like, yawn. I think I'm going to get up and casually go down to the stadium and do my show. So, uh, it was great. I mean, at the same time, there's nothing like the experience of having the crowd. Um, it's crazy because they didn't have a capacity crowd by any stretch, but the playoff game, uh, Buffalo, uh, you, you, you traveled up to Orchard Park and you can just feel the energy was different. And I think that um, when you look at what happened late in the game where there was a lot of offsides called on the offensive line, you know, guys just weren't able to uh, handle it correctly. So, uh, yeah, um, having the fans, it, it makes a huge difference. And, and I'm sure that uh, you guys will have – what do you even call it? Like, it used to be the black hole. Now, now what do you even call it? Do you even – have like a name or y'all just still just kind of the Vegas Raiders and it you're still trying to figure yourself out. Yeah, I think we got to come up with that, but I don't know if you saw the story the other day that came out. Like, there is a legitimate nightclub in the end zone. So that's not really like original because Miami, when they renamed their stadium a thousand and one times, and I guess it's Hard Rock Stadium, but <laughs> and they got so many nightclubs underneath. They were the first stadium that I saw that kind of did the whole retrofit, make it look, you know, kind of uh, South Beach-like vibe as far as watching the game, you know, with, with the different underneath club-level flow. I know Dallas kind of bragged about the way they had, you know, the players interacting or at least walking through the crowd, but I think, uh, you know, Hard Rock Stadium looked like it, 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 it set the tone when it came to the party atmosphere. So that's cool that you guys, you know, you're, you're hey, all right now. Um, Jacksonville did the swimming pool thing. So if y'all want to yep. do that, that's all so much last year. Although I wouldn't necessarily want to get in the pool at a football game with some drunk dudes. And not know how it is when you got a lot of beer. You got to pee. Water and urine, that just mixes. Unless the, the, the water turns blue. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, my God, he's peeing or she's peeing. <laughs> hey, then it's different. Maybe that's what you can do to change it up and have a, a party in the pool with the club 
like atmosphere and having the roulette table to see who is going to score first. That is original. We, those are some good ideas. We're going to have to talk to some people and get those uh, those implemented. Uh, we you know we mentioned it's the first game. The first game of the year will be Monday Night Football, Ravens at um, at Raiders. It's the first time fans are in the stadium, as we were talking about. Like, is that something that's exciting to players? Like, when you were playing, is that something that would fire you up, or are you just like, hey, it's another game for us? No, no, no. Monday Night Football, I know there's Thursday night, Sunday night, and all that. Prime time is, is it, it's where you make your mark. It's where you have your moment. Um, it's where you separate yourself as an upper-tier player. And although it's in the beginning of the year, but your legs are going to be fresh, and you should be ready to, to show out. I think, you know, for what Lamar Jackson has done so far early in his career, every time there's a, a primetime game, he shows out. So I think this would be uh, pretty cool. I think that, you know, the Ravens, they've drafted some guys. And I think if you look at the way they are set up, it, it should bode well for, um, you know, a matchup where I know the Raiders defense is going to have to – the bottom line is they're going to have to take away what the Ravens do best, which is run the football. But then I think it sets up to see what, you know, the, the coaching staff has, has put together um, to feature Tyler Wallace, Rashad Bateman, how is Sammy Watkins going to be introduced into the offense. So the new faces, um, but I think that those new faces, uh, especially in the beginning, you know, it, it'll be cool to see how, they go about, you know, getting themselves inserted into the office and, and making a early name for themselves. I don't know if you're going to find a bigger Lamar Jackson fan outside of Baltimore than me, uh, but what what do you want to see from him this year? What progressions do you want to see him make? Well, I mean, the elephant in the room has always been, you know, can Lamar win a playoff game, and he's done that. Um, he went to Tennessee and whooped up on Tennessee. I think now um, – not necessarily what Lamar um, can do passing the ball because we know he's a he's a extremely good passer. Um, you know his numbers speak for it, but they don't necessarily wow you when it comes to four or five thousand yards passing. You know you know three hundred yard games uh, coming in bunches because they don't have to do that. I think what we would love to see is him being able to get into a rhythm from an outside throwing lane perspective. And that comes down to whether or not, you know, the new offensive coaching staff that was designed to help him in that area, T. Martin and Keith Williams, uh, whether or not they can add some some new flavor and uh, spice to what, you know, we know is a strong offense uh, passing the ball in the middle, but can they throw those outside lane type throws and, and, and get some completions? And I think that that's what, would separate this offense um, and Lamar and put him in that, that, you know, upper tier category. Are going into the season, are the Ravens the favorite in the division or do you think Cleveland has surpassed them? Well, I know a lot of national pundits are saying it's Cleveland, uh, but I'm not smirking and being just uh, lazy fair about it, but (laughs) This is the Cleveland Browns, bro. Like, they, they haven't done anything, you know. Like, oh, ooh, they made the playoffs. Now they're going to be the Super Bowl winning team or they're going to be competing for the AFC championship. Right. Go ahead. Chew on your dog biscuit and enjoy yourself. 
I think the bottom line is it's still about, you know, what, what we do here in Baltimore. Um, I think that, um, yeah, John Arbaugh, you know, he, he just, he knows what he needs to do when it comes to the, the, the adjustments that need to be made from year to year, week to week. Uh, there is a, a coach up in New England who had a great quarterback that helped him do that. But I think that uh, John Harbaugh is certainly in the strong conversation of a, a coach that knows how to uh, get his team ready to play. Cadre Hilsmo is with us. Uh, former Raven, how do you think the Ravens fans will travel? It'll be an expensive trip out here, a really expensive ticket. Do you think there'll be thousands? Do you think there'll be more than that who try to make the uh, trek out to Vegas? Well, the flock, I will tell you, they they roll. I mean, it, it, they, they rolled out to L.A. Um, they rolled out a, a ton of times, uh, whether it's been um, Tennessee, whether it's been Miami, uh, whether it's been, you know, down in Dallas. Um, you know, the Ravens, the Ravens have a, a very uh, loyal fan base. I mean, like I said, the flock, they travel well. So I think this will be uh, a trip that a lot of fans are uh, going to be excited to uh, to take. And um, you know what what goes on in Vegas is going to be talked about this time. Okay, <laughs> we're going to talk about it. We're talking about Lamar Jackson whooping up on the Las Las Vegas Raiders. Okay, that's what we're saying. And then once it is known, then all the other things that y'all do, no one will care because we were able to go out there and secure the victory. Dang. All right. Well, I was going to ask you the, uh, the betting question on this one. I'm not sure how you know, crazy the area is there when it comes to betting, but uh, some places at Baltimore early as a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Now it's settled in at uh, Baltimore minus four against the Raiders, so it sounds like you think they're going to come out and they can handle Vegas by more than four, cruise to a victory. I don't know if it's necessarily cruising to a victory, but I, I know it's a, a, a game in which – if I know anything about Greg Roman's offense, it's a very physical offense that can surprise um, guys when they first see it. Um, I think that they think, you know, oh, it's Lamar Jackson. Oh, yeah, we got him. And then next thing you know, it's like, wow, we didn't realize type of thing. And so that's where one, – and, and once they get into the red zone, they can – I mean, it's it's a given that they're going to score. So, you know, I think, uh, yeah, they'll easily cover it. Yeah, I, I get it. We, uh, my partner Adam Hill always talks about uh, Kyle Shanahan and uh, what he runs is football porn. And I've seen Brian Baldinger break down the Ravens' run game, and there's so much misdirection and confusion that the defense has to deal with. The Ravens are freaking super impressive and intricate on the ground. Yeah, and I think that's what, you know, Greg Roman relies upon. You know, he's – a guy that, you know, has a, a mastermind in the art of the different schemes of offensive line blocking. And what I love about it is that they, they I mean, they really do a, a, a few simple things, but when you're not used to it, it, it looks like they're doing a thousand and one things. Uh, and I think this year, you know, they retool their offensive line. I'm kind of curious to see how it kind of comes together and, and really just, kind of pick up where they left off as the last two years of, of a, a dominant run offense on an historic NFL level. Kadri, we appreciate it. Thanks for uh, some time a little later on a, on a Friday evening. Hope to talk to you soon. Have a fun summer. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thanks, there he is, Kadri Ismail. 
former NFL player with the Ravens and uh, actually had some of his best years at the end of his career with the Ravens when they really let him loose and used him as a, a primetime receiver. Uh, had a year or actually had two years there with over a thousand yards and he was a freaking burner. He was a hurdling specialist. And of course, uh, everyone knows his brother, Rocket Ismail, the Heisman winner. All right, we're almost out of here. We're almost out of here. Good job by Ari. Ari, we're taking it right to the end of the show, right? There's no break, right? Am I confused? We're all good, right? We're all good. Uh, good job by Ari booking the show up with uh, former NFL players, Kadri Ismail and Robert Smith, the running back, and Stanford Rout. And we had uh, college basketball coach Cubby Smith on. His Coaches versus Cancer tournament starts on Sunday. It goes until Tuesday. It's the 14th year of that. So uh, Tubby came in. And, of course, Curtis Perry and Dick Girardi, also a big part of the show today. Uh, Adam, I got to close on a little NBA. Uh, first of all, what's going on with the Hall of Fame this weekend? Induction ceremony coming up. Big one. Uh, you know, a. am sure it's going to be just the most tear-inducing, uh, depressing, but also inspiring thing to watch ever with Kobe. So you're in, right? Um, absolutely not. I can't. Not? I can't do it. You, I'll, I'll, I won't. I won't be able to handle it. I, I'm not going to put myself through it. I'm not doing it. Yeah, the memorial at uh, Staples was rough. That was when uh, Jordan stood up there and and, uh, and and made his speech. That was rough. That was real rough. Brutal. Brutal. Like, and I don't, like, why put yourself through it? I mean, I know it's, you know, I know it's, like, historic and it's it's a, a chance to celebrate and remember, but, like, I I don't want to put myself in that position. Like, I'm, I'm I, I, like, why... Life is hard enough. You know, put yourself through those things. I can't. I'm not going to be able to do it, so I won't. Pseudo grab bag to close out the show. Pseudo grab bag. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Thank you. Oh no. Every day we have another potential celebrity fight to talk about. Why is Lamar Odom sparring? What is happening here? He's supposedly fighting Aaron Carter. Why, why, why? This doesn't seem to be the same weight class. Or it height doesn't class. at all. Uh, definitely not height class. Uh, like, this not is, weight class. Like, it feels like horse shack against uh, uh, rest in peace, Dustin Diamond. Why is this a thing? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. It's taken off, man. Well, you know, I mean, part of the problem is... I guess congrats to, you know, for winning another fight, but, and the guy was unbeaten, but part of the problem is when you have some of the biggest stars in boxing, Canelo Alvarez booking fights where he's a minus eight fifty favorite, then right. people aren't, you know, people aren't going to pay big money to see that. I guess they'd rather see the freak show. Well, does it make it any more appealing to you that on the broadcast, uh, the color commentator is going to be ice tea? Oh, okay. All right. I'm in. Like, what do, like, I don't understand any of this. What's wrong with that? The spectacle of everything that's, that goes on with these celebrity boxing events. But, like, are we just, we're just, now it's just straight entertainment. Because it's like, whoever wants to commentate can commentate. Like, we don't need to have broadcasters or boxing people or anything. Like, let's just, let's just get crazy. Like, I don't know that Ice T's crazy enough. He actually might have some too good of insight. We need to just go completely off the rails. If these guys are fighting, like let's go. Do we have do any like some- clue? Do we have any clue who's on this card? This is a uh, this is a different sort of card. I think 
This one's June 11th in Atlantic City. You have to showboat. Okay. So what's the deal? Is Len Dykstra on the card now? I didn't even look at the rest of the card. I, okay, who's he going to fight? Do we find another like 70-year-old to put him against? He can fight you. Well, I think he. I don't even think he he made it to the finish line on the uh, on the last fight. I think he wound up having to cancel the whole freaking thing. Oh my god! Is that surprising at all? I don't even uh, know what he's that, doing. Like, that's the main draws: Lamar Odom and Aaron Carter. <laughs> One brights brought uh, Chuck Liddell to ref. Chuck, is that right? Chuck Liddell. Liddell, sorry. Yes, it's okay. That's <laughs> good. It's good. Met the guy and everything. Still can't say his name. Uh, I don't. First of all, I don't know how good of a ref he's going to be. Has he ever done it before? Does he have experience? I'm sure he'll be able. Okay. I'm sure he'll be able to handle the Lamar Odom Aaron Carter fight. I don't know. Lamar's got a lot of size. You're going to have to step in and. Well, I think handling. I think handling it is actually letting one of them beat the snot out of the other. I mean, let's oh. face it. It's Lamar beating the snot out of Aaron Carter, right? I mean, I don't think it's I a very think, fair fight. Okay, this, this is, is uh, this is all this is this is all risk, no reward, because if he loses this fight against Aaron Carter, my God, I, I, I'm not like I'm not making a joke about this at all. I'm being dead serious. Like, is Lamar Odom okay to fight? Can he take punches? Uh, that's another thing. He probably shouldn't be fighting, since he's you know the the mental and addiction struggles he's faced. Well, and I, is there is there no lasting impacts? I mean, I I'm obviously I hope he got checked out and approved to do this, but like there were some very serious medical conditions that he had. Like, can we can we aggravate that with getting punched? Like, I don't know. I don't know the answers to these questions, but I'm not confident that whoever's running this got all these things taken care of. Like, I, I don't have any faith in that. What's the uh, what's the UFC event this weekend? It's in Houston. I love Michael Love Strong. I'm a big fan of Michael Chandler fights. He's an action sure. guy. Uh, you got a, a title fight here against Charles Oliveira. Tony Ferguson's also on the card. I don't, didn't Ferguson have some line this week about someone getting Dana White privilege? Like, uh, yeah. Uh, did he actually? Did he deliver the line? Actually, I just botched it. Did he deliver the line by saying you have Dana White privilege? Uh, he didn't do it perfectly, but it was good enough. He actually got Dana to crack up. He got Michael Chandler to crack up. Um, basically, the Tony Ferguson had a 12-fight winning streak in the lightweight division. Never once fought for the undisputed title. Michael right. Chandler has one fight in the UFC and is fighting for the title. And Ferguson was on stage with him and said, uh, you're really taking advantage of the Dana White privilege, which is actually a very good line. Considering Brilliant. Tony Ferguson has like, he just says so many things that have no meaning at all. That was a great line. And uh, listen, I think it's interesting. They're both on the same card. It would have been great if Nate Diaz was still on the card. Uh, this, this card lost him, but still a fun main event at least. We are back with DC and the Sunshine Man tonight. Reminder, Sunday, Cannery is the site. John Von Tobel will be on the scene at 11 o'clock watching the Golden Knights game with you guys. Pretty specials, prizes. Again, that's the Cannery. John Von Tobel hanging out. ESPN Las Vegas on the road, 11 a.m. to watch the Golden Knights game at the Cannery. Get out there. We'll see you there.